Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Always glad to have this guy back. He is uh, Dr. Jesse Lopez. You've seen him. You've heard of him. He's been on this show now. Jesse, what is it, a year, year and a half, something like that? Maybe two years. We've been doing this a long time. A year and a half. Well, I, I appreciate the information every single time. Go to inspiration.health. He's an internist. He's a surgeon. He's a DO, uh, inspiration.health. And he's been in the forefront, just right there with McCullough, right there with Urso, right there with Malone, uh, giving you the truth about COVID-19 and these jabs. And little by little, Jesse, we're starting to get the real story. Little by little, people are starting to question it more. But I'll tell you this. I was coming back from the, from the drugstore today. And on the radio, there's another commercial Get your next booster, even if you've had COVID-19, because you'll have less symptoms if you get the booster. They're not, they're not saying that it won't spread it anymore. They stopped that lie, but they're saying that the symptoms will be much more mild if you get your booster. Isn't it time that we just told the truth about this stuff? Well, it absolutely is, and it's really amazing that that is still present on the radio waves and even on television, when even just recently in JAMA, a correspondence was produced by Dr. Paul Offit who is actually on the advisory committee to the FDA, who basically called the Omicron booster underwhelming in its performance. As a matter of fact, there's also information coming out that that particular committee was not presented all of the information that was necessary to be given to them in order for them to even approve the first booster, let alone the second booster. And these committee members now are actually upset. They're upset because... The data was withheld from them by the FDA in terms of the infection rate of the first booster versus the second booster. So can you believe that that information is being withheld and then they're touting the Omicron second booster as something that everybody should run out and get a hold of? Can can I believe it? Yes, because you and I have been talking for a year and a half about the the lies that we've been told. So can I believe it? Yes. Um, Do I want to believe that it's going to continue? No. Just yesterday and the day before, um, Ezra Levant, who is the the boss over at Rebel News out of Canada, was in Davos and questioned Borla, the CEO of Pfizer, about why didn't they tell us that this didn't stop transmission? Why didn't they even study that it didn't stop transmission? Why aren't you telling people the truth that your shot doesn't work? And Borla's answer was, have a good day. That was it. That's all the, the, the CEO who's made billion, uh, billions of dollars for his company, millions of dollars for himself personally, refuses to even say anything into a microphone about what this stuff does. At some point, Jesse, don't we need to make sure that we tell the, the American public and the public uh, on the globe that informed consent means something and you guys have not been informed about these shots? Absolutely. The deniability, as far as I'm concerned, is totally unexcusable. Yes. And it is actually resulting in harm. We are now seeing that with the third and fourth doses, that the immune response is changing in those who have been vaccinated. And what we are seeing from several studies, and Joe, we're going to have these studies on our website. Two different studies have shown that there is an increase in what is called the IgG4 antibody. And what is basically, that? That, is, that is just a very um, non powerful antibody that doesn't really respond well to take out the Omicron variant. So what happens is that there's a prolongation of the disease process for those who are vaccinated who get sick and an increased mortality rate, as cited in several other studies that I can share with you in a moment. But the thing is, is that if this is occurring where there is actual immune imprinting and the body's not responding and producing the right kind of antibodies because of these vaccines, the public needs to know. And Joe, Even Dr. Paul Offit, who I just spoke about, stated in his correspondence in JAMA that the ineffectiveness of the booster is most likely due to immune imprinting. 
How many times have you and I spoken about I- immune imprinting on the show along with the other physicians that have been present about how this is adversely affecting the immune system? Right, and, and we don't know what the immune system can even handle anymore because of the uh, the, the autoimmune response appears to be so, uh, what do they call it, a, a, a cataclysmic, um, um, some, the doctor yesterday called it something, some sort of a storm of antibodies and an immune response in the body that is really just shutting some people down. And we're seeing it all over the place. What I really find interesting today, Jesse, is JAMA is the Journal of American Medical Association. And then the other one, uh, the other uh, the ones that you're citing are from NIH themselves. These are from Dr. Fauci's own research in his Correct. own department. I mean, they, they're, not only aren't they denying it, they're starting to tell the truth. Well, you know, I always bring the data, right? Yeah. We've always brought the data and we've shown you the data. So, Clear back in 2021, there was a study that was produced that showed that this increased IgG4 is occurring. And this was done with individuals that are closely associated with Dr. Fauci. So we know that this is the case. They had this data, but yet they went ahead and pushed these vaccines anyway. So those are going to be present. These studies were done in 2021. One was done in Brazil, and there was another study that was actually done in Italy. But there was a most recent study that was published that is present uh, in Frontiers, Practices and Frontiers in Immunology, and it was just published January 12, 2023. And this was actually edited by people associated with Pfizer, and it shows the increase in this IgG4. But in spite of that, these things are still touted as something everybody needs to run out and get, even though it's compromising individuals who are getting it. Joe, I have a patient of mine who works for a very large hospital here in the Kansas City area, and I am able to see the data of those that are in the hospital who are infected with COVID, who've been vaccinated and who haven't been vaccinated. Close to 75 to 80 percent of those that are hospitalized right now have had their full vaccines. What does that tell you? Well, well, I mean, it, it, it tells us that, A, the vaccines are dangerous, just like you've been saying and Malone's been saying and McCullough's been saying, Urso's been saying. And also it says that um, that our government has been lying to us the entire time. Let's talk about, uh, and it's Dr. Jesse Lopez. Go to inspiration.health is his website. He does telemedicine, inspiration.health. This guy puts all this stuff that we're talking about up on his website, inspiration.health. So uh, every time I have you on, I get a bunch of emails. Where can I find that study he talked about? Inspiration.health is where you go. I'd never heard of myocarditis before we met. I'd never heard of it. Now, now I consider myself a bit of an amateur expert on myocarditis, pericarditis, and all this stuff. We're talking about injuries to the heart that you have taught me and others have, McCullough especially, the cardiologist. Um, they don't go away. This is permanent. And yesterday I had Dr. Napudian who said, um, yeah, the, the, the happenstance of you getting rid of it, it being temporary, is because you die. Um, if you have this and if you've got the other symptoms that go along with it. McCullough said adrenaline also hurts somebody who's got the myocarditis as well. Fauci, not a week ago, Jesse, came out and said that myocarditis is temporary. He also said that your happenstance or the occurrence of heart conditions is much worse by getting COVID than by getting the vaccine. Are either one of those things that he said true? Wrong, 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 wrong. Just like a doorbell ringing. Wrong, 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 wrong. He's absolutely incorrect, and it's been proven otherwise in multiple journals. As a matter of fact, there's a new study I have right here in my hand that talks about, actually it's entitled, Autopsy-Based Histiopathological Characterization of Myocarditis After COVID Vaccination. Basically, this paper showed us 
in autopsies of 25 individuals who died within one week to 20 days of getting the COVID vaccine, that there was significant myocardial damage. Wow. And the thing that was very distinct about these particular individuals was that they had a kind of inflammatory infiltrate in their cardiac vessels that these pathologists out of Heidelberg had not seen in 20 years of being in pathology practice. That should sound alarm bells, but the alarm bells are being ignored. Is it reversible myocarditis? Myocarditis is not reversible. It will always it's permanent. Be there. That's it. It will always be there. It's a scarring of the heart tissue. It, so somebody. So, fa- so Fauci had to know. It. The reason I asked is because Fauci had to know that. Yeah. Well, he he absolutely knows that. Absolutely. So it's just trying to shove things under the table. And what's very frustrating is the data continues to come out and it's totally completely ignored. There was another study we're going to have on our website that showed that there was a significant increase in EMS calls in Israel related to myocarditis and other cardiac conditions after their second and third rollout of their COVID vaccine. And, you know, they're one of the most vaccinated countries in the world. And so this data establishes that significant jump in those cardiac cases. And what was interesting is that there was a larger percentage in women in this particular go around, in this particular evaluation. So what that points to is an underreporting of myocarditis in women since the rollout of these vaccines. Well, that's true because you and I have been talking about men 30 or males 30 years and younger are the ones at highest risk. In fact, the Nordic country stopped using the Moderna shot because they feared that that males 30 and younger would end up getting myocarditis or die from it. So we've been underreporting women? Absolutely. And the the thing that's very significant about all of this is that we see the continued harm that is showing up. Now we saw it in young men. Now we see it in women. Now there was just a early warning signal sent from the FDA just last week about the increased risk of stroke in those over 65 wow. who are using the Pfizer bivalent COVID shot. So let's look at it, Joe. There have been several now warning signals that the FDA and the CDC has admitted to. That is myocarditis, that is blood clots, and now they're talking about stroke. And they haven't even thrown in the adverse effects that we're starting to see to the immune system, like the increased IgG4. So I ask you, how many other medications or even vaccines, and this, as you and I know, is not a vaccine, it's gene therapy, would we continue to utilize with this kind of risk profile if it was part of everyday practice like penicillin. Well, zero, we, you know, we, we would get rid of it immediately. Let me ask you something about clotting. These aren't traditional clots, right? These, these are, I've, I've heard some call them uh, protein buildups um, because of the spike protein that's being used in these vaccinations or, or these shots, and, and it's just clogging the arteries. That's it, you die. Um, it, these are not traditional clots that can be worked through with medication, aren't they? Or are they? That's correct. You're absolutely right, Joe. And I have several friends who are cardiovascular surgeons. They do a lot of peripheral vascular work. And these clots are not responding to the traditional thrombolytics. So they actually have to go in and they have to remove them in order to remove that disease process from the blood vessel. And they are a firm, hard uh, type of material that's what they describe as an enfolding protein. So it's just not fibrin that you can inject some medication to make it dissolve. So it's a whole different animal altogether, what my friends and colleagues and others like Dr. Cole are reporting. And so these are very, very concerning. These are things that we continue to sound the alarms on. 
And in spite of this, they're still pushing it. Now, I will tell you that more and more of my colleagues are becoming very interested because I think they're starting to see that they are at, at some increased risk if they're suggesting that somebody should get the COVID-19 gene therapy, but they're not telling them about all the potential risk and complications. So that is very that is becoming very concerning to right. a lot of mainstream physicians out there that have been pushing this thing. It's Dr. Jesse Lopez. Go to inspiration.health is his website. He puts all of this stuff up on the website. All of these studies that are sourced, I mean, many of them from the NIH, uh, JAMA, as he said. I mean, these are from uh, also, these are peer-reviewed studies that are showing exactly what he's been saying on my show for a year and a half and what he's been saying even beyond that. Inspiration.health is the website, plus he does telemedicine. Um, the reason why I bring up what these are and, and how do you treat them is because Again, if they're not traditional clots, I don't know what's going to work on them. But I've been getting this question lately that sounds silly at first, but if you think about it, it makes sense. There are people who have gotten the vaccine or the jab. They've gotten the mRNA technology injected into their bodies, many of them because their work forced them to or else you lose the job, who are asking a simple question, can I take an anti-vax vax? Can they take something to undo the effects of the vaccine? Or this is just the way it is. Right now, that remains to be seen, Joe. I get that question every day. And so what we try to do is help patients utilize natural supplements and different modalities to help keep their cellular structure healthy. For instance, we utilize a lot of N-acetylcysteine, which has been well studied. There's actually fantastic articles about it through the National Institute of Health in terms of its ability to decrease oxygen-free radicals within the cell. It increases the nitric oxide towards the cells for better circulation to the cells. So there are some of those types of things that we can do. But I will tell you that we are seeing a lot of patients that are having COVID as adverse effects, such as a COVID long-haul type of syndrome, that we are having to treat with multiple modalities, including things like ivermectin to bind that spike protein. Because as you know, there was a study out of Sweden that showed the potentiality in vitro of the messenger RNA vaccine being able to incorporate its protein-making mechanism into the human cell. And I believe that that's what we're seeing. I think we're going to see more and more of these things. As you know, we predicted here, and guess what? Maybe a year later, but we find it out. Let me ask you this. It's Dr. Jesse Lopez, inspiration.health. Go to his website right now. Um, The fact is they told us incorrect information for two years. And they're still giving us incorrect information as we speak today. My question is one of your opinion. Is it your opinion that the science said that what they said was probably right at the time and the science has changed because that's what they're telling us? Or did they did they have to know the whole time what these effects were? Did they have to know the whole time that these the, these shots were not ready for prime time? I believe it's a little bit of both. I okay. believe that they knew and what they knew should have prevented them from ever bringing it out in the market in the first place. And the critical questions that they could not answer should have also have prevented it, prevented them from bringing it out into the market in the first place. And I'm going to give you an excellent example, Joe. With this last booster, data was withheld from the committee that's supposed to advise the FDA and whether or not to approve it. It was the infection rate between the first and the second booster. And what they found with the original booster, there was a 1.9% infection rate. With the booster, get this, there was a higher percentage rate of infection of 3.2%. Wow. That's important data. That's why some of the panelists that sit on this advisory committee to the FDA are livid because they're not being given information. So back to your question, I think they know stuff and they don't tell us. 
And I think they don't know stuff, but they don't care, and they use this as human experiments. Well, one thing that we know, Jesse, is that Pfizer knows it didn't test to see if it stopped transmission. And they also knew that Borla himself said it's 100% effective at stopping you from getting it. We know that Biden said the same thing. Harris said the same thing. Fauci said the same thing. Walensky said the same thing. Now we know all of that was incorrect. Pfizer knew they didn't even test to see if it stopped transmission, and they kept that from us. The others, do you think they knew as well? I do. I absolutely do. And I think that that data is going to be coming out more and more when we start to see the inability of individuals to mount an immune response. And when you see the data that they publish that shows the increased amount of IgG4 that's preventing the immune system from being able to function, which is a form of immune imprinting that we're seeing. So they're putting their own data out there, but they're ignoring it. And if they're seeing that kind of data, they need to investigate it further before they tell us we have to take it. We're frankly out of time. I could talk to you for two hours, my friend. You know that. It's Dr. Jesse Lopez, inspiration.health, inspiration.health. Get to that website, find out more, read all these studies, and we'll have you on again very soon, Jesse. I always appreciate the information, brother. Thank you. I look forward to it. Thank you so much. Love sharing the information with everybody. All right, my man. We're back after this. Stay right here. You're listening to Joe Pags. I appreciate you hanging out. If you want to see that interview again or hear it, a lot of you heard it on the radio, you can go see Dr. Jesse as well by going to Rumble tonight. I put all the interviews up, monologues up, all that stuff up on Rumble. My quick videos are on Instagram, Pop Culture. Boop. Dirty Pop. Hi, Paula, what's going on? So have you seen this story with Cher and her 36-year-old boyfriend? No. The heck? What the heck? It, it tell Kurt to be quiet. <laughs> yeah, no, so um, apparently they're, they're hinting at that they're possibly engaged. How old is she? I think she's 76. Come on, dude. <laughs> yeah. What are we talking about here? All right, Paula, have a good weekend. Appreciate you. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Carrie. It's Joe. We're back on Monday. Same time, same place. We'll see you then. This is the Joe Pegg Show.